Welcome to Cross of Gold, the podcast where two brothers, one a Christian in the political wilderness and the other a socialist in the spiritual wilderness, work to rediscover faith in each other, our communities, and the American experiment. We have begged and they have walked when our calamity came. We beg no longer, we defy them. You shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. Hello, everybody. Back again uh, with another interview, another person in Chase's orbit. Oh, uh, before we get into that, I am Cyrus, the socialist brother uh, here with me as always. Chase, how are you doing today? Christian brother, doing okay. Uh, Overcoming a bit of a cold. Yeah, excited to round out. Uh, sort of our Christian profiles um, in politics interview series here. Um, we've got someone who uh, is near and dear to us, um, particularly someone who doesn't see uh, the exact same way I do politically. Um, however, we're really close in some ways and, and different in some others, but he's also the pastor of the church uh, that we've been attending for the last uh, three years. And so we know that he definitely loves us and loves people. Um, and so definitely, yeah, I mean, from my understanding, there's like two churches in downtown Dallas. Is that right? Or I mean, I'm sure there's more, but yeah, you know, dude, there's it's Dallas. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's probably a dozen. Well, the the most common one I think that people would think of is is First Baptist, which is you know sort of that. Uh, I don't want to go so far as to say like Jimmy Swaggart style, but it's not it's the, too far removed from the mega church, you know, sort of thing. The and rhinestone is, in the buckle of the Bible Belt, maybe. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You're going to see some diamond rings on fingers um, in on, on men and women there, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Thanks for saying that just because um, we, we were there and, and visited and we have uh, some, some friends and neighbors that are there that we love at Dallas First Baptist. But you know what? This one, um, we meet at the Center for Black Performing Arts and Letters. Um, and it's a walk from two of the much more popular homeless shelter, homeless service centers in downtown Dallas like, you know, right next to Caesar Chavez Boulevard. And so um, there's very frequent that, you know, we um, are in service with, you know, folks that were at the homeless shelter the night before. And so because of that, we've also had some cool success stories, if you want to say, or, you know, people who were really on their out on their luck came into the service, asked for help and got it. And so um, being brought into the fold of a, of a community. Um, yeah. Which... Yeah. And it's, it's definitely, so just to, uh, one of the, the biggest reasons I like our services and our, and our, our congregative body, it is socioeconomically diverse race money. Um, and you know, and that's, I think a big reason why we all meet down there is folks from all over DFW sort of drive in and it's not super huge, but, um, but boy, we, we sure love it. And God's been using, God's called us there for the time being, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And while, while you know, I, I definitely, I think people will find as we as they listen to this episode that I disagree with quite a bit of the way Richard, you know, perceives, you know, the world and his, his sort of views about it. Uh, one thing in my limited experience at, at your church that I've really admired is like a real, there's a real genuine desire and effort to like build a community um, out of the people who make up the church, uh, which... And whether that's through like the, the men's and women's groups and the Bible studies um, and, and just the actual service as we get into a little bit in, in the episode. Uh, but they they really do put forward an effort to build like genuine connections through vulnerability and shared struggles of people, you know, sort of we're all in this together mentality, which I think, you know, is is as a model that people even from secular backgrounds or whatever else, anyone who's trying to is interested in community and trying to reinforce those, those things that are deteriorating. It should be, you know, there's lessons to be taken from that. Yeah. Great. I appreciate you saying that. That's certainly what I feel that like anyone could walk through the door and, and be loved there. Um, yeah. You've heard some of his messages before you've even sat in on like a, um, a men's group um, when we were yeah. at a different location, sort of like 50 of us in a, a warehouse room sort of you know um so you've you've had some prior experience um and and chase isn't chase isn't uh fibbing on that in terms of like the diversity of the crowd i mean see everybody from really all walks of life life there which is refreshing you know someone who grew up in the church um 
and did not have that experience wherever mm. I've lived and gone to gone to services really. Yeah. Um, having said that, you know, just maybe another like a vignette of sorts, like when you're walking out of the building, you know, you can walk through one doors and, you know, out to your car, you can walk through another's and Richard's there standing, you know, shaking everybody's hand, walking out. And so he, he generally knows just about everybody's name that's there as well. And so that's kind of the, uh, the feel of what might be going on in here. And so, um, so you know what, we're excited to show how, different people can love Jesus, particularly even a callback to John Sanders, who's a leader in the church, completely disagrees with Richard politically in, in actually at least action. Right. Yeah. Um, but they can still be really consider themselves brothers, even though they're not of the same, um, you know, ethnic, ethnic background and not of the same political persuasion, but man, um, they can love each other. And so that's yeah. a big mission of what we're doing here. You and I can love each other. We can love our neighbors and we don't have to agree with them. Yeah. And hey, for those wondering, you know, Richard and I said we love uh, we love each other after the end of this conversation. And, and that's just a, I was impressed for both. It, of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were maybe trying to out love each other. <laughs> but um, it was it was, you know, it, it's a it was a good opportunity to, to remind my, ourselves why we do this. And it's about being patient with each other um, and, and kind and understanding in our, in our viewpoints. So. That to say, anything else you want to preface about Richard, his radio show before we uh, before we hit the hit the start button? Yeah, his radio show, which is really available nationally, had um, just received like a national religious broad, uh, broadcasters award, and um, that the link to his radio show is in the show notes, um, and so you can you sometimes catch the message he gave um, on Sunday um, on that. Uh, Richard Ellis talks, or you know what, um, if you're ever interested to hear him preach live, um, it's available via Facebook live uh, Sundays at 1050 central time. Um, and so you can always check this guy out um, in that way as well after this. Right on. Well, with that said, uh, you know, don't want to waste any more time. So enjoy our episode and interview with Richard. We are at uh, Reunion Church headquarters with Pastor Richard Ellis. His radio show, as we mentioned before, is in the show notes, as well as a, a sermon or two. Uh, really, we came to Richard because we've already interviewed John Sanders, one of the elders. Uh, Richard uh, leads a very diverse church, one in which I'm a part of and proud to be. And we want to really just get to understand three of his um, three components of, of Richard, a little bit of his background a little bit more about reunion and then how he particularly um, engages uh, faith and politics and particularly, you know, how that might differ from some of his elders or, or, or just other, you know, people in the pews. Um, so Mr. Ellis, Richard, thank you for giving us some time. We've already had almost two hours of conversation, namely between Cyrus and Richard. You can only imagine what that was like. Yeah. Which uh, it was good. Record it was good. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to. Uh, yeah. Well, lots to dig into. Thank you so yeah. much for uh, taking the time out of your day to, and uh, now speaking that we're here at uh, your beautiful Reunion Church, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how that all got started up? Well, let me first say on the John Sanders deal, he's not technically one of the elders. He's one of our leaders, oh, but good. I don't want anybody. Okay. <laughs> one of the elders said such and such. Oh, so. I'm still learning the uh, church hierarchy and what they mean, even me. Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. so um, the church started in uh, 1997 with 11 people, technically 15 my four that I had at the time. Um, it's kind of out of nowhere. So some churches start, if you hear the term church plant, what they mean is several hundred people from one church went and replanted in another place. Mm, yeah. And that's a church plant. Okay. This is a this is a church seed. It was just a fully you put a seed in the ground, you cover it up with dirt, and here we go. You're not cutting off a stem and going, no, you know, no, you, somewhere. It's, okay. it's, yeah. a, it's completely out of nowhere. So that takes, that takes time. And Maybe. what was the motivation for that? Why, why not go from another church or, or yeah. something? From and there? why are you where you're at as well? Yeah. So the whole, the, the, probably the frustration for me, so a lot of this came out of probably some frustration. Uh, I grew up some in England. I grew up some in Brazil, a good bit of my childhood in Brazil. And you know, when you're around all kinds of people, poor people, just all, it's just people, right? Um, my church experience was a segregated 
uh, not just ethnicity-wise, it was economic-wise, educationally. I mean, we separate out multiple... Formally and formally? Or yeah, I just, I just think uh, that there's this phrase that's been used uh, in church uh, studies, homogeneity, the homogeneous principle. Mm. Which I can be around people like me. Like kind gather. You don't need Jesus for that, right? Mm-hmm. Bowling alleys do that. Golf courses <laughs> do that. Like, right. like kind gather. Yeah. That's just taking a basic. Every other institution in the world right. you can find. That's, that people that want to work out gather. It's a gym, right? Mm-hmm. Church should not be, it should, it should be not that unlike kind gather, it just should be that people gather, mm-hmm. right? And so I would meet people working in these churches and I'd think, you know, I'd, 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 my heart would lunge and then my head would catch up a millisecond later and go, you can't bring this person to this church mm-hmm. because this church is wearing these glasses. So it's kind of like if a church without even knowing it, kind of says to its people, put these glasses on. These are the people that we're trying to reach. You know, we, 1.1 kids, Volvo, whatever their thing is. Yeah. We're, we're after poor people like us, rich people like us, educated people like us, affluent, sophisticated. This is the demo we think we can get. Right. So yeah. you put these glasses on. When you spot this person, hey, come visit my church. Then they walk in and go, hey, I, I think I'd be welcome here because mm-hmm. I'm just like everybody else here. Mm-hmm. Instead of just taking the glasses off and saying people, mm-hmm. right? So I got very frustrated that I would meet someone that my heart would lunge toward and then come up with some excuse why, um, you know, they wouldn't be welcome. So starting a church that, uh, you know, that it, it'd be like a proverbial sign out in front of your building that said, reunion church, everyone welcome. And you really meant everyone. And I was naive. It took me seven years in to figure this out. Heard a guy speak, and he basically said, "Everyone doesn't want to be with everyone," mm-hmm. and that's true. So you gotta you really who you are getting are the people who believe in that mantra of everyone. Yeah, yeah, but when you say everyone and you mean everyone, you're going to get everyone. Uh-huh. I mean, we've had people. Uh, so I mean, so the church is located in Center for the Performing. Black it's, performing in, arts and letters. it's in the Black Academy of Arts and Letters building in the convention center. Yeah, it's in the convention center in Dallas, which, downtown, which is downtown Dallas. Right next to Cesar Chavez Boulevard, which is where most of the homeless shelters are. Yeah, so downtown was not picked randomly. I mean, I the, Dallas specifically is a north-south city. Mm-hmm. Most of the jobs, if you go look at all these numbers, most, you know, 45 to 50% of people live in the southern part of Dallas, but most all the jobs are north of 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's split out in a really wacky way economically. But pretty, there's some firm dividing lines. Yeah, there's historically in Dallas. Um, and I jokingly tell people, you know, there ain't no South Heaven. <laughs> right? Yeah, you said that. <laughs> right. But people think, oh, I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to live in North Heaven. Right. It, it does not exist, right? Yeah. So to be... So downtown on a normal day when there's not a pandemic, you know, you've got probably 120,000 people working downtown and those people come from everywhere. So downtown in Dallas provides neutral territory and the convention center offers neutral turf. A lot of people from from what I've been able to observe have what I call uh, threshold issues. If you walk into a mall and you stay in the center of the mall, you're in the mall. You already got some issues, but if you cross the Burberry line, they'll look at you like, do you even, should you even be crossing the Burberry line? Right. Are you dressed nice enough to pay for what we got? Right. So why are you even coming in our store? Because there's a security guy at the Cartier, the Burberry, whatever the store. Yeah. So you kind of size yourself up and go, they're really not saying I should be in that store. (laughs) Yeah. I I might get some strange looks. Why why are you going to touch my Louis if you can't buy one? Right. Right. So. Churches, same way, people have threshold issues because they say, if I walk in there, the second I cross that threshold, mm. they got me. They may only have me for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But if they tell me to stand up and put a cone on my head, unless I'm going to walk out, I'm putting a cone on my head at least once. And then I'm like, how did I get in here? There's going to be some set of expectations that yeah. imagined or otherwise right. you're feel like you're off. And we've, mm-hmm. for years, literally had people, we almost have to monitor the parking lot because we have people that drive in and sit in the parking lot 
for 30 minutes and drive away. Interesting. They're so overwhelmed. They're, they have questions, they have needs, they want to come in, but what they get in their own head that I'm not going to be welcome, you know, I'm not dressed right. I don't know enough. What if they ask me to read something? No, I can't do this. Yeah. And he's not bluffing. Uh, we have a, a gentleman, Terrence, uh, you know, you've thanked him a lot. Yeah. He is in the parking lot welcoming people in and looking for folks that stay in the car. Waving at people yeah. that might be. Uh, no, he's, <laughs> and he's, and he's very genuine, very yeah. welcoming. Yeah, he's the real deal. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what you're getting right away. So it's a, it's a little bit of a self-pruning process. Because if people come in and go, well, I don't want to be with all these people, I go, that's not a problem. There's plenty of places you can go that it'd be just like you. And there's a lot of like things that I just through the grapevine, whether it be like people's, you know, pressure on the worship music, which I love, or, you know, the song selection or the, the message type or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I want this, which is really saying like, I want sort of the cultural accoutrements that go along with this type of blinder or something. Well, what they're really saying is I, I want and there's so many options, it's about me. So people come in and say, well, I didn't like the music. I said, what was wrong with the music? Well, it's not my style of music. And I said, well, this is the illustration I used when my little girls were young. If we said, hey, what do you guys want to eat tonight? And they'd say cheese pizza. I'm not eating cheese pizza every night because my kids want cheese pizza. Right. <laughs> so this ain't about you. We're going to eat something else, right? So if you're going to have a family and you're going to have all kinds of people come in the room and they're black, they have a perspective. They've come maybe from a church with certain kinds of music stir their soul mm -hmm. or Hispanic or white, whatever they are. Everybody's got preferences, but why can I not tolerate your preference? Mm -hmm. Oh, I want all the music to appeal to me. Like, okay, that's, it's not about you. Right. It's about a family. Yeah. One thing you just said there is um, if we're going to be a family. Yeah. Um, and you've used that as justification to do some things that I haven't been a part of before, namely the uh, meet and greet section. Yeah. Uh, having, you know, been to probably over a do dozen easily denominations in my church visiting. Normally, the meet and greet is a, oh, hi, my name's Chase. Yeah. That's Maybe. It. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you. And yeah. then you sit back down. Uh, we don't do that. It's probably 10, 15 minutes at least of giving people out. And some people, it freaks them completely out. But other people are put so much at ease because they go, wow. Oh, there are real people here. Someone spoke Very to me. They cared about me. They asked me some questions. I, and there are people that it's it, it, it throws them for a loop. Well, and you double down on that, I feel like. That's not even it. Yeah. You don't even get in from, okay, sing the song, meet and greet, the worship. We do something else. Uh, we we share prayer, share prayer requests and some of those are not G-rated. Yeah, no, I've, we've had Sundays and just to explain this, what would, normally would happen is we hand out microphones. Somebody raise their hand, we take them a mic. Yeah. And it's, you just, you never know, right? We've had, I mean, this for some reason really sticks out. A girl stood up, her boyfriend stood up next to her one Sunday morning and she said, I was raped last night. And I mean, the air completely went out of the room. And then a bunch of women went over and gathered around her and prayed with her and for her. So, I mean, and people say, well, ah, it's too intense. I'm like, well, what are you looking for? It's in a movie. You're looking for, or the people who end up attending the church are not people who look at church as just another consumer choice right. in the litany of consumer choices. I'm going to punch my card. Mom will be happy. I yeah. attended church. Biblically, you cannot go to church. Right. It's impossible. Why is that? Church is not a place. It's a people. The church is people. But the Old Testament idea of a temple, we've hijacked and put that on the New Testament. And we even call our building where we gather for worship a sanctuary. It's not possible. A sanctuary is a place that God lives. I am the sanctuary. I am, the, I am you know, where he's chosen to take up residence. Mm -hmm. So I don't use the sanctuary very often. So People say, well, where is your church? If it's, you know, if it's on a Monday, I say, well, it's kind of, they're all kind of all over town. <laughs> That's, right. They want to know where do you meet? Yeah. I get that. So I answer it in that way. But a church is, is this miraculous gathering of people who despite, if, and this is my personal belief, uh, despite their political differences, their educational differences, their economic differences, their addiction, whatever, whatever their issues are, you know, you know what? We have Jesus in common. That's enough. Yeah, you said two things there because uh, just in this. So this isn't 
the convention center. It's like a, an office uh, sort of right off the freeway. And there's like a warehouse room over there. And when all the men meet once a month, it's pretty interesting because you'll see everything from a Maserati or a Corvette to, you know, a couple guys get out of a, you know, landscaping truck. Um, or took the bus or train and walked yeah. from the station. Right, right. Yeah. And so that's the economic difference. Um, but you also said political difference. Yeah. And so, um, and so there is more than two political persuasions at Reunion Oh Church. my gosh, yeah. So I, I don't, geez, Lord guide us here because I don't know even where to go. He's sharing some of my previous experiences. Maybe I'll share some of those, um, you know. Intro and outro. In, intro outro. But um, how do you, how, how, let me start easy. How is that, right? Like, you know, because I've spoken with Christians and my neighbors to understand that we've interviewed Christian socialists. Right. And they literally are angrily like, that's an oxymoron. Or there are like, how can you, how could you be a Christian and vote for Obama? Or how could you be a Christian and vote for Trump? Right. And we have all of those cashews yeah. in our, in this trip. Yeah. So uh, people would say that I am extremely political in some ways, but then realize I'm not in others. Um, if you follow Jesus around in the New Testament, he is consistently surrounded with all kinds of people. He's, he's got Jewish leaders that, yeah. and which are the ones he called out more than anybody, frankly. Right. I mean, he, they, they came to him, Nicodemus, different people. And then you've got a woman at the well who's been married five times living with a guy. So there may not be anybody left in town. She's run all the traps, Yeah, uh, but she's used to reach that whole city. So the, the, not to mention the prostitutes and the lepers. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's people that no one wanted anything to do with, right? And I, if, I, if I were to draw this, it's a big pie with Jesus in the middle. And the slices of the pie tend to be homogeneous, right? Sure. So this is, may sound offensive to some people. I believe that the farther you get from Jesus, the more homogeneous your crowd gets. So the further you get from Jesus, the more the more you're surrounded your by discomfort by people who are just. But like if you for, if you press into the middle of the pie where the cross is, then you look at Jesus and go, "It's you I'm after." How am I next to you? And then you look next to the person next to you and go, "But what about him? Like, if you want me, he comes with the package. She comes with the package, mm -hmm. right? But they're poor. They don't smell good. They're." Republican, they're Democrat, they're socialists, whatever they are. I I am not trying to turn people into some political, you know, species. I am trying to get people to Jesus and let him change their heart, their mind, their life, right? Mm -hmm. And then wherever they land, uh, it's a messy process. That, that's fascinating. But I'm really interested to hear your perspective on culture war. There are a lot of Christian leaders with microphones yeah. uh, making it maybe in hyperbole, the 11th commandment to engage in cultural war for Christ. For, for yeah, I, I, I say if you want to do that, then follow Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Be a Christian. Don't use the cross as like, you know, we're poor and it's about Jesus. We're rich and it's about Jesus. We're Democrats and it's about Jesus. Make it about Jesus and then what about all this other stuff? How do we hammer this out? And you're going to get in a room. There's no way to follow Jesus and not end up in a room with some people coming from, you know, totally different perspectives. I mean, if, if an atheist, lesbian, whatever you want to come up with, walks in and becomes a Christian, she is probably not overnight going to turn into not an atheist. Yeah, or what? And I mean, yeah. she's just believed. So it's going to, it's going to get messy. You have to be patient. You're raising kids, right? If someone is born, they have to be raised. That's the, that's the plan. If the foundation is in Christ and those conversations, those those conflicts are going to be coming from a place of good faith rather than bad faith. Yeah, even my conversation with you earlier, I mean, you know, you're in process still. It's messy. It is. Right? Absolutely. So either I'm going to shoot you in the head and go, I'm out because I don't <laughs> want to be patient with you. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about the prodigal son being a son when he left the house, you would hope that if a Christian had met the prodigal son in a faraway land, that he would have gone, hey, dude, what's going on? Where are you from? 
Maybe you should you know, go back to your dad. Right. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing out here? Like this doesn't this doesn't seem like you. Why are you working? You're Jew working with pigs. Like this isn't what what's happened. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So tell me about you. Not oh, you're an evil person. So I'm not I'm not trying to you know whack a mole people because they're screwed up. Because even Christians are screwed up. So this brings me to a, an interesting question. I think about just the your sort of your reach as, as a minister, uh, because I think when I first came to actual service, I was a little surprised by, for, for those who don't know, Richard has a, a radio show within a pretty wide reach. I don't know the exact thing, link is but, in the notes, but yeah, but it, you, I mean, you have, uh, stations in pretty much every state in the country, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, all, over the, yeah. all over the country. And, but yet the actual sanctuary is, is filled with, yeah, it's, it's a decent number, but a lot far fewer than a lot of the churches I've attended. So not yeah. a sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> the theater. The, yes, yeah. the, the, the room. It's easy uh, to use them though. <laughs> but uh so it's not a mega church. Yeah. yeah. It's not a mega church at all. Um, but you you still have a reach broadly. So can you speak to that a little bit? Why you think that is? I I, I did a sermon of the day, I think it was called Takers. As it turns out, there are a lot of takers, but there aren't many takers. Mm. There are a lot of people willing to take, but they really, they don't want to do what it takes to actually do the work. Yeah. So lots of people listen. We hear from people all over the planet, literally. And, you know, oh, I love your message. Or they'll visit the church and go, wow, this is like a New Testament church. I'm like, yeah. They're like, so are you staying? Like, oh, no, no. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to run back to my mm-hmm. comfort level. So it's yeah. hard. I yeah. mean, church is not hard. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You cannot be a church without Christ. Now you can do some semblance of, you know, put some components together and gather if we have this and that in common, but to really throw down and do the work and be in a, it's a family with all these foster kids, adopted kids, bringing in all of their stuff. Because when someone becomes a Christian, it doesn't, their sins are forgiven, but it doesn't wipe out everything that they ever did or happened to them. So they're still processing all that. It's just way messier raising kids than anybody's telling anybody. And you can't, you can't say, Oh, take our eight week course and you'll be up and running. There's no such thing. Yeah. I mean, Jesus doesn't really mince words on the subject. I feel, you know, take your cross and follow me. Daily. Daily. Yeah. Yeah, It is a a pretty firm command. And deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. So there are not many takers on that. And I'm not saying I have, achieve that goal either. I mean, yeah. I'm still messy for me. I got challenges and I'm surrounded with people who got challenges and they get, you know, emotional, they get political, they get passionate and start canceling each other. I mean, it's families do this. But even just to have that as a genuine goal in your life yeah. is not an easy thing. Yeah, no, it's not even easy. Yeah. It's yeah. not even hard. It it's is impossible. impossible. You cannot live the Christian life without Jesus. And people who try, it may, you know, look something you can act, which I was raised to act like a Christian. Yeah. I was, I heard that phrase all the time. Well, so-and-so is not acting like a Christian. So I thought, well, I got to learn to act. I'm just a bad actor. <laughs> it turns out I was a bad actor, but yeah. I didn't want anybody to find that out. You're a bad performer. Well, no, a bad actor as yeah. in I'm not a good yeah. person yeah. at the core, but I got to be a better actor. So someone figures that out. Uh, so I'll come in and God bless you. How are you? Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. All the, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you can bada bing, bada boom long enough and get in and out before somebody figures out you're not there. And it's kind of a Just don't ask one more week. It's a, it's a don't ask, don't tell policy. Mm-hmm. If you don't get caught, I don't ask you, you don't ask me. We went to church. Hey, I gave some money. You're going to bury my, you know, you're going to bury us, marry us and leave us alone. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. be coming meddling in our stuff. Right. Don't actually tell me how to live Don't, my life. Or n- not even tell someone how to live their life, but even say, hey, how about some accountability? You know, th- this is not going to work. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're putting a cross on it in your life, but you're not living that life. You want some help with the process. And even if you do, if someone does want help, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got people who ditch on all ends of the spectrum. You think, well, you're conservative, whatever. I got people who don't think I'm conservative enough. Right yeah, no, and I, yeah, I guess I can speak that Chase is a member of the congregation. Well, yeah, so one statement and then one setup here too. And you don't have to use names. You've used it a couple times in church or in our you know, congregation meetings. 
Uh, we certainly, though, first wanted to come from Hawaii in the military community where people had very close tabs on us, certainly were loving us through a whole bunch of immaturities and sin on both sides. We didn't want to slip into, uh, I, I, especially for me, for Samantha and I, a cultural Christianity, whatever that means, going to the buckle oh, of the Bible belt. Thing. That, you know, you can really make it not real. You can check boxes. Especially in Dallas. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and it's almost you know, the center. Well, not only that, but you can show up to a church where it's also good for you uh, commercially. Right. Right. And that, to me, I, I'm Provides professional opportunities. I'm afraid of that. Or, yeah, people I'm going to can also be my next job. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so reunion, not saying people don't own and run some businesses in, in you know, our group. There's some people, that's not what it's about. Clearly, yeah. and that's so far down on my priority list here that that's where God's guess is where God has me right now. However, uh, you know, one thing I think if if you're going to do that and call not call people out, but like really genuinely ask people, it's easy to say, hey, um, either you shouldn't have abortions, which we'll get into, or you shouldn't get divorced, or you shouldn't sleep together before you're married. And it's another to be like, okay, not only are we going to say you shouldn't do something, but we're going to we're going we're gonna to come together and help you. And Richard, you've used this for at least one couple since I've been here um, where they were living together before they were married. Maybe you can tell briefly what's, what happened. Yeah, I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to make it sound like we're chasing people down. Yeah, no. Yeah, we're yeah. screwed up. Like I, I, I take what the scripture says and say, okay, here's what God intended. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And whether it's gay marriage or whatever it is, we say, oh, you hate gay people. I don't hate anybody. I'm just telling you what it says. Marriage is supposed to be between a man and a woman. People say, yeah, but they've legalized it between men and men and women and women. Like, I get it. You used to could own a person. Just because a law is passed making something right does not make it technically right from God's perspective. So I calmly call that out. So same scripture, you know, talks about being together after you're married. Do people screw that up? Clearly they do. Do I understand that? Is that a thing? Sure. But it doesn't mean you can't say, look, you know, your, your Cadillac was designed to stay on the road. You can't go four-wheeling in your Cadillac and expect it to survive. Yeah. Right? It wasn't designed for this. So um, here's what God says. Are you up for that? You know, it was multiple couples I've had this happen. One guy says, well, dude, you know, we're living together. We're getting married, you know, in the. Economically, it makes sense. You, well, what, said like, hey, this is. Well, it, it well, that one, well yeah. that one, they say, well, we're doing it to save money. Then what I'll usually come back and say is, look, okay, well, that's, that's where you're coming from. I can save you about 20 grand on your income tax next year. I go, what do you mean? So just don't report all your income. <laughs> and they say, well, that ain't right. And I say, exactly. But you're doing it for economic reasons. Yeah. Right. So they say, well, but if I moved out, I don't have anywhere to go. So recently, you know, a couple get married. They were living. I knew that. And I said, look, I'm out. I mean, we got to at least make an attempt. We don't roll all this into your wedding and your marriage. I said, stand up on a Sunday and just say, look, we're trying to do the right thing. And I don't have anywhere. We can't afford to get another apartment. I don't know where to live. By the end of that service, four people said, you can come live with us to get married. And he moved out. And boom, it was resolved. Now they're married. Right. They're married. And I'm discipling that guy. And, you know, is he perfect? No, but he's, you know, he's got a shot at growing up and making it. And someone at least offered a standard that really pays off for him down the road because marriage is hard enough without, you know, rolling all your crap into it when you have a chance to do it, do an all stop and say, okay, let's do this the best way we can. So and stories like that, whether they coming from, homeless service centers or shelters or that or different all over the spectrum like that it definitely encourages me in a way that's like okay how am i not doing that in my own treating samantha or at work or whatever oh a guy a couple sundays ago god i've said i've been you know he didn't use the the word i'm thinking but you know i've been rude to my family my wife you know i'm not patient i'm not kind and i realize that you know pray for me who gets up and says that now she knows that all his kids know that, but for to hear him say it, now if he didn't change, it was theater maybe. But step one, at but least acknowledging he, him probably. But if right? he changes, my gosh, and we go, dude, you can do this. And I'm yeah, selfish people, too. Yeah, texting him, calling him. Yeah, you know, yeah. So so my question is, and maybe I'm a little bit out of my depth here, but my understanding when Jesus came, there the old covenant was, right. was has died and the new covenant was right. born as 
I don't recall Jesus saying much about gay marriage, if anything. I don't think he did that at all. So, but, you know, yeah, I do eat pork or yeah. shellfish. Yeah. Uh, so where does the, that divide? Well, that was all covered. Uh, uh, Peter had a challenge with all that, too. Yeah. And he says, don't call anything unclean that I've said is clean. So that clearly changed on the flip side. Yeah, yeah. I'm not giving up cat For the dietary thing. Yeah, I'm not giving up catfish for anybody. So, <laughs> um, or oysters or shrimp or anything. Yeah. yeah, so thank God I was born on this side of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but isn't that the issue with it, with, uh, with like, you know, sodomy or, or gay marriage? Is okay. it unclean in the eyes of No, God? I, I, I just think if, if, you, if you took, let's just, let's just put a bunch of kids, little kids in a room with, a, a, you know, a male body and a female body and ask them, what do you think, you know, what goes where? As, as embarrassing as that would be. Well, that's not exactly biblical. I understand. But but if you understand reproductive systems, a male, a female, certain things come out of your body, certain places, you know. I think he said that to maybe quote scripture, he's you've, um, anecdotally quoting, he's like, well, there's things that are natural and unnatural. And so because of the naturalness, we think, the naturally bottom feeders and uh, I understand, but you're, you're co-mingling different things. You're talking about food in the Old Testament, food in the New Testament. If God says, okay, this food's okay. Well, all sin is equal in the eyes of God. Am I, wrong I understand, that? but it has different consequences. Okay, so, okay. Uh, if I go, if I smack you on the face and you hit me back, okay, sorry, you, whatever. Aren't the wages of sin death or anything? The wages of sin are death eternally, yes, right? Sure. But it doesn't mean if I do, if I... Um, uh, go flip somebody off in traffic, then I'm going to be, I'm going to die immediately. Sure. Right. That's probably not what I should be right, doing. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So to, to the natural and unnatural of what you're bringing in, you know, can you put certain things, certain places? I suppose so. Is that what the design was? I mean, just, just, just not complicating the situation. God made Adam and made Eve be fruitful and multiply is the command. How are you going to do that? Two yeah. women cannot be fruitful and multiply. Two men cannot be fruitful and multiply. It's just not what he intended. I get that it happens. Yeah. And I get that people say, this, this may help answer your question, if this is your question. They'll say, well, it's not, it's not what God intended. It's not, it's not what God intended for a man to say he loves one woman and then have an affair with another woman and tell her he loves her too. But that's possible to love two women. And he did say earlier that he's not... Hitting people over the head with this. Yeah, I'm not. Saying if you say, hey, I want to get closer to God and know who Jesus is. And um, this is no way to give you um, a cop out. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he, he's said before, I just work here. In the yeah. sense of like, I, I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you what I what it says. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, pick anything apart. I'm just, I'm just trying to clarify for my sake been a long time since I've been yeah, the Bible, I'll yeah. be honest. It's not hard. But it's something... I got, I got a copy. <laughs> Take you up on that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but in terms of like what the New Testament says and getting to know Jesus, right. there's nothing really in there about anything like that. Well, whenever he says, and I'll, I'll set, set up, and this is for heterosexual sin, homosexual sin, drunkenness, um, uh, greed, laziness, all things that can either become idols, which we put on in front of God, or we, um, or that we do in disobedience to God, mm. right? Um, yes, all sin is equal in the eyes of God, certainly different um, levels of punishment or consequences. Um, however, if you're seeking to make God your God and you draw closer to him, then um, I think we believe that you do what he says, mm. in a sense. It may take time to get there, sure. right? So, um, yeah. You'd be you'd be hard pressed to find any gay people that know me that don't know that I love them and care about them. Sorry, 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 sorry. What I'm what I'm trying yeah, to yeah. what I did lost my train of thought is it, Jesus does say even to the woman at the well, caught in red-handed adultery. Clearly, the woman at the well. Excuse me, not the woman at the well. They, the, they brought her a woman caught in the adultery. adultery. Clearly, there's some hypocrisy going on because they caught her red-handed. Where's the guy? Yeah. Right. So they've picked the most vulnerable among them. And he doesn't say, like, he completing the law, he says, like, ultimately, the story ends with, go and sin no more. And they had legal grounds to stone her. Mm -hmm. Right. And back to the catching her, 
te- the technicality there is you had to see the person in the act. So it's peeping Tom. So Jesus was acting in defiance of the law because he, he thought. Well, that, he's the fulfillment of the law. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so when he dies, buried, raised from the dead, he he fulfills everything. That's why he's such a big deal. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not hating on anybody. No, no, no. Right? I, don't, I don't think you are. I hate. I hate what sin does to people. Right. And I get that there are people that same sex. They love each other. They get married, and it's legal. Okay. Yeah. There's. I'm sure there's other things we can legalize. I, I personally, this is jumping way out there. I. It may not be in my my lifetime, but in yours, if you live, pedophilia will get pulled in. And you're not associating pedophilia. No, no, no. I'm just like saying, saying, that's I'm just saying the, these things that laws, we think laws are, oh, that, or, that should not be okay. The arguments are already out there. It's not harming the child. The child seems to enjoy it. These articles, these speakers are, this is a legit thing. Well, if you're a member of the DuPont family or Jeff Epstein, I guess mostly pedophilia is already legal. But, I understand, uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's not legal, but why don't we legalize it, right? It's, it's, it's well, who do we just judge? I, I'm no one to judge to say well, if you if you see something in the military, especially, don't call it stealing, we call it acquiring, right? I acquired the, the military, the government has so much, and so I acquired something and I sold it. And well, you're a thief. No, no, there was there, there was abundance. Tactically acquired. Same military, right? Right. <laughs> right. So I mean, you you can rationalize, which from my perspective, rationalize is just believing rational lies in order to rationalize your behavior. And my job for myself, even if I don't live up to the standard I am putting out there, and I try to acknowledge that along the way, like, look, I'm struggling too, but this is what it says. And I'm going to be responsible to him one day for either did I, as best I could say, here's what he says is possible. Let's make a run at this with his help. Okay, well, let's take this just a little bit broader then. And I thought um, we were just, pretty broad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I just mean uh, maybe more, bring it down to a more practical okay. level of if, if you have a responsibility to God, right. then in terms of you know a lot of the stuff we talk about on the show is how wh- what responsibility to your own belief system does that compel you to act politically in our society? In our, okay, for layman's terms, yeah, just so I understand where we're both at right yeah. now. How do you engage in politics? Okay, Not so submitting yourself to Christ, but by yeah. Way. So the book talks about this is more government than politics. It says submit to the authorities that you have. Now, if the authorities are are shooting people in the head, then you got to know the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, can I? If they put a sign up that says fifty five, do I abide by that and go fifty five? I don't. Right. So I, I struggle with that. I should. I speak. Too. And when I get pulled over, I should say thank you, officer. I've had this coming a very long time. I struggle <laughs> with this area. Yeah. Thank you for doing your job. Not what the, you know, peel off on the guy. So in, in, a, in a republic like we have, a democratic system as jacked up as it is. Ostensibly, yeah. I understand, yeah. but it is what it is, as yeah. messed up as it is. Well, yeah. it's, it's where we are right now. Yeah. I have an option, and I do not think this is the cure-all. So I'll be very clear. I believe the answer is Jesus. But I have an opportunity and an option to engage in a system and vote, right? And what everyone comes down on me on is I say that I am a one-issue voter until that one issue is no longer an issue. So what, you know, people say, well, then you'd vote for a socialist. If the only candidate that was pro-life and would do something to stop killing unborn children... I'd vote for I'd vote for that candidate because I can't come up with a I cannot come up with anything in a society. Go back through history. If a society is killing their babies, born children, which that's we talked about earlier, throwing them in volcanoes and sacrificing them to some God that didn't even exist. If you're doing that, you're not going to survive and they're gone. Right. So a nation that will we're so sophisticated. We don't wait till they're born. We kill them before they're born. Right. And we've legalized it. You can't, you just cannot kill 60 million of your people before they see the light of day and not have a culture of death. And I'm not saying all women walking around that have had abortions feel bad about it. I used to think that I got corrected, but it's not true. They don't think about it all sometimes, but there are plenty that do. 
And those are men who didn't have a choice. Their wife, you know, the girlfriend had an abortion. There's a kid missing. Um, so I am hugely, I'm not just pro-life. I am pro-abundant life. So even, and, and you, you wouldn't know this when you come to church, I've literally, to the, to the prayer time thing, had people stand up, a girl stand up and say, pray for me, I'm pregnant. And I'll say, are you married? And she'll say, no. And I say, okay, I'll stop. We are not going to say that we are pro-life and shame this girl out the back door. I have told multiple, multiple, I can't even tell you how many more. When I find out a woman got pregnant, not married, or was married, almost had an abortion, didn't have one, I mean, I just say, look, I don't care how, the circumstance, anything, I honor you. I respect you, and our church will do whatever we can to help you now raise this child if you need diapers, Whatever you need, we're here. It's a pretty good uh, support train of meals and diapers that come from. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is I think is great. So what do we do? Your question well, was, yeah. what do you do practically? Yeah. You can't just say, oh, I'm pro-life, and then abandon some woman and her kid when they, well, she got pregnant out of wedlock, which, you know, I don't want to be in a wedlock. That's not like this. <laughs> you know, it's not like a breast <laughs> to me. I get what it is, but yeah, you well, know. So just for the sake of, of you know, progressing the conversation, I'll, I'll just say, like, I agree with you that, okay. uh, that, um, that, yeah, that, that life begins before just, just keep things going. But if, if that's the case, um, then shouldn't we be striving to do, before we jump to, say, like, banning something outright, which, you know, we supposedly live in a republic of freedom, and then we should, we should I think, look at banning things as the last option. And if there's a candidate who is offering, because to ban something, you're going to, at this point, well, you have to go so, against the will of the Okay, you're, you're, you're putting a couple issues into the question, and they're good issues, but I think the core of your question, rather than emphasis on banning versus whatever is pro-life before death and pro-life after death. Well, I mean, I think too, but yes, that's true. Well, that's let's, go the ban let's, let's, go, let's, let's go to the ban thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Has murder been banned? Yes. Well, who, who's, who's, the, who's the culture that... Who decided that? Well, yeah, uh, I, I think. If I don't like my wife and I want to smother her with a pillow, sure. it's none of your business. That's in my house. Sure, but I, I think <laughs> well, that's what I'm, what I guess I'm getting to generally is this idea that there are a lot of things that you can do that we should strive to do to prevent murder, to prevent abortion, or ban something, the pro-life after death, the pro-life before death. I mean, if women have access to medical care. Is, this isn't medical care. That argument is very disturbing to me. The medical care, if we're worried about medical care, let's give medical care to that little kid who has no care. But that's what I'm saying. If, if they know that they will be able to afford medical care for their child. Dude, they're, they're, you, you can, the argument is, if I can't, uh, maybe it's not your argument. I can't have this baby because I can't afford this baby. You don't think that there are people who make that decision? Off of I think there are people that make terrible decisions and part of my abortion message when I do this, talk about this, is I swing all the way, I try to do this as much as possible, to the women in the room who've had abortions. I sit with women who've had five, six abortions and grace has to be extended to those women as well because you can't even admit that abortion is wrong if you don't have a solution what if I had an abortion? And if it is murder and I've murdered someone, where am I going to go with that? I can't admit that it's murder. I'm a murderer. But, so but even you like yourself you say that you give people economic support to well, help so them make that decision a lot easier. Two things, Cyrus, this is interesting because it sounds like he's, and this is again, isn't to cop Richard out, but it's me sort of thinking through as we talk, right? Mm -hmm. And so if, I, if it is me giving him a cop out, you can call me on it. It sounds like he's more in the trenches dealing with people who are trying like wrestling with the issue should i have an abortion as in not married and like economically on the straights definitely given people in our congregation yeah or people who are dealing with the oh my god i have a gnawing feeling that my abortion was more than just determination they need as much help as the girl so, who needs so why not extend so, that ethos so, so, that so, so two points so what i'm saying is so i i think that's and i didn't see it maybe until we sit here that's where his perspective is and correct me if I'm wrong, which as well. I have been pushed through a lot of these conversations with Cyrus to support some things that I actually think are borderline immoral. My tax dollar is going to support literally the provision of contraceptives because you know what? If that will get us closer to uh, preventing, un um, uh, you know, killing un uh, unborn children, 
then yeah, yeah, I, I'll fund condoms. You know what I mean? Um, for something like that. Now, so so I think whether and I'm not sure where he stands, but it sounds like so whether it's condoms, whether it's um, healthcare for unborn children or for unborn mothers, universal pre-K, something we've talked about a lot. That's something that's certainly on the table. In, in pre-K, that's after you're born. Yes, but- You gotta get born to have that. But people make decisions based off of their ability. I understand. I, I know we live in a fallen world that can't get out, right? They have fallen so hard, in some cases they can't get out. So I'm not saying, and, and, and by the way, even if I say I'm a one-issue voter and I vote for someone, and let's say Roe v. Wade gets overturned, all that does is run it back in the states. And the states, some states are scrambling to pass laws that protect their right to kill a child after it's born. But what I guess I, to me, I mean, this is, this is just my perspective and I'm not as, as biblical as, as y'all are, that's for sure. I don't think that Jesus's first step in terms of trying to prevent the deaths of unborn children would be to punish. I think his first step. Who's who's be, getting punished though? Yeah, I would say that me, word punished. I, I punished to me the person that is getting, and I say person, the person who's getting punished is the little kid in the dark who has no say in the matter. Well, punishment is a consequence for doing something wrong. The too. kid did nothing wrong. Well, so, yeah, so, so, hard, so this is really so that's not a punishment. No, no, so I think uh, your word punishment. Is, I think your word punishment is loaded, but I think it's it's informed by how Christians, but maybe and and people that are. Um, zealotly, um, uncompassionately pro-life. Yeah, I got no time for that, by the way. People that are pro-life and don't back it up with helping with helping the girl, affirming her, encouraging her. Yeah, yes, sequentially, you got something out of line here, but that kid knows nothing, has nothing to do with that. Because I think when you're saying, and, and, and have rightly called out a lot of, again, you've got a better hypocrisy for man radar than I do, um, which is a compliment. Is to say that like it, it can seem like a punishment where when God forbid it comes out of a Christian's mouth, you sinned or you made up, you're gonna have to take care of your kid. Well, yeah, that that does sound like a punishment. Whereas it should be like God stop like help us stop. That. I guess where it comes down to for me is if if your goal, if if your number one issue politically is And by the way, let, let me go back and reiterate this. I am a one-issue voter. So when it comes to politics and people ask me how I vote, they say, well, you're going to skew a certain way. I'm telling you right now, if Republicans, Democrats, everybody lose their mind, I'm going to try to find the person who is going to do something about stopping the killing because I can't come up with anything. And this stuff makes people's heads spin. You know, I talk about abortion, slavery, all these issues, you can't even be a slave if you don't get born. But but if, so, if, like, if something is if like if something would work better at stopping abortions than outright banning them, no no, I being, have a hard time taking you seriously to say that's your one issue if you're well, not willing to at least entertain these other okay, options. Okay, okay, but in a, in an earlier discussion we had this discussion as well. Yeah. The 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 root problem for me is heart issues, right? If you if you sat a woman down calmly and said, look. Okay, you had sex with somebody. You got pregnant. Maybe you didn't want to get pregnant, but now we got another issue. There's a person here. There's another person involved. Let's talk about that person. Um, I'm not shaming you. I'm not against you. And if someone, if you came to me and said, my girlfriend's pregnant, there's no way we can have a kid. We're getting divorced. I said, whoa, whoa, give me nine months. I've already got a family for you. It'll take your kid and raise it and give it a life. If you can sacrifice a few months and hand the baby off. Uh, I sat with a girl who sat in this seat the other day. She's a drug addict, been sober for a while, uh, had a kid. There was a closed adoption. The family said, no, we want an open adoption. So she chose to give this child a life and now showed me a picture of a one-year-old. I'm like, dude, that's what I'm about. So I'm going to do everything in my power to help that mom be who she is so she can be in the life of this child she gave that child life. Now I get there. People go, screw that. I'm going to do what I want to do. I can't stop that. But clearly that well, so, so is not being met. I'll go. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'll go. Go. So, and that is, and this is one of those that like, you don't have to say you're for this, but I'll say that everything you're saying, I agree with. And if it, in order to be blameless before God and man, and maybe that's not completely perfect, but I think it's, it's a good direction. 
I will do things I don't agree with in order to get more women to this point of saying, oh, like to, to take away that excuse. I can't stop it. Yeah, I get that. Because mm-hmm. they can go to another country. I, if I can do anything to slow it down. Well, then what I'm saying is to that slowing it down, <laughs> I have viewed things like literally giving my tax dollars to birth control. To birth control. Right. For other people who don't even believe in the same God I do, right. in order to stop that. So that's that, that's okay. But biblically, let's go to the tax issue while we're on political things. Um, what did Jesus say? Give to Caesar what is Caesar, to God what is God. Was Caesar doing everything right with the money they gave to Caesar? No, right? But if that's that's the if the, if you live in that system, you're taxed. You're, I, I am not, I, and, and you say, well, are you politically involved? I have been along the way on that issue mm-hmm. and helped a candidate who I knew would lose. I didn't care. And I saw him the other day running for president. And I said, if you, if you decide to run again, I'll support you again, even if you guarantee me you'll lose. <laughs> because yeah. the voice that he brings to the table of sanity and consistency and commitment to. I think it's worth saying, Tyrus, because you see his position. <laughs> is and, and it, it, certainly a message to socialists like this issue i believe has been hijacked particularly by the republican party to the detriment of pro-life people who are genuinely pro-life and so any voices on the left who want richard's vote be pro-life <laughs> uh, bef- particularly before birth now one of the things i maybe want to sort of like uh land the plan on if i can Sure. Unless you want to no no by all means you, yeah no i know you're baked on it no so, no we're good, it, we're good. Uh, is there are a lot of people in this church who politically disagree with you in more than two ways. Yeah. And but maybe I've asked this question before, but and you're pretty and every year you have at least one message that's pro-life. Yeah. Um, how do people who literally voted vote for opposite candidates that you do still maintain? Okay, so I, I have been who I am for decades, right? Yeah. What I believe happens is when people get so personally involved in a candidate or a party or something, a party that they cannot be a part of a family. Now you got a problem. That's freaking, that is it. That's what we're doing. I mean, so people, so, so people say, if you have anything to do with this person, I cannot have anything to do with you because now I equate my hatred for this politician with my hatred for you there. If then and now I can't differentiate. And so no one's had any major problems with my position on abortion until they decided they hated certain candidates. Which and, is, I mean, it kind of silly too, because like none of us have any real bearing over the process. And the candidates have been well. coming and going forever and abortion's been an issue. It hasn't always been an issue, by the way. Abortion has not always been an issue. Well, in the sense that it was used to be, you know, very legal. And- no, no, it used to be very rare. I mean, if some girl panicked and I'm pregnant, I mean, girls disappeared for eight, nine months at Aunt Susie's. Not the right answer. A baby yeah. was born and the baby lived. And so you had this hush-hush thing, but at least the babies tended to live. Some were killed, but we got so sophisticated. Forget all that. It's not a person. In my argument, going all the way back around is the same way you come up with slavery. We just decided it's not a person. So if you say someone's not a person, it doesn't matter what you do with them. So if a person in a womb is not a person, you can kill it. If a slave is not a person, you can do what you want to with a slave. And that was legal. So is this. That got changed. I think this can be changed. And I think a younger generation, technology like a sonogram, the numbers of women who choose to keep their children, once they see that heartbeat and the child in the womb, they go, it's, it's a person. That is not a blob or a thing. That's a person. So I'm going to have to wrap my head around that and deal with the consequences. Dude, I've said things to people like, I'll, I'll give you all the rape and all the incest. You can kill all those babies. Give me the rest. Well, God kills a lot more via miscarriage than any abortions. And, uh, okay, but, but is that God killing the baby or is that the, 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 the body, a woman's body processing? That's, I, I don't think. I'd say it's both, actually. And yeah, I know I'm kind I, of coming in from my field now. Yeah, I don't, I would not, I think God allows miscarriages, but whether he's going, oh, Cyrus got married, he was a screw up for all that time. I'm going to kill his kid. Sure. Well, it's part of the plan. It's part of what he allows in his sovereignty. Yeah. I don't claim to understand all that because sure. there's, there's a lot of pain and I've dealt with that in my own family with my own daughter having like three miscarriages. So this ain't some hypothetical for me. Right. I have to process, process it personally 
because I got three grandkids I've never seen and won't, you know, until heaven. So there's a lot of questions, right? And life is hard and people are in process and got to be patient with them. And doing church is way messier. I mean, we talked a little about your family. We talked about my family. I had a messy family, but here I sit by the you know grace and mercy of God, and a lot of people helping me get to where I am. And I'm not 100 percent there, but I'm there. Guarantee you, I'm not where I was, as I shared earlier with you. I was in a bad spot and couldn't you know figure it out and wanted to check out. You know, I just didn't want to die. I just didn't know how to live. Mm-hmm. So we had to help each other, and that's not just you know, sticking a cross sticker on your lapel and saying, good luck. That's mm-hmm. walking together and being patient with people. And so I try to be patient with people. I, I get that. I come across passionate about stuff. You should be passionate, be passionate. right? Um, but I expect them to be patient with me too, right? Yeah. Because if we got Jesus in common, let's figure this out. Don't cancel me. <laughs> what, who invented that? Oh, you, I disagree. You're gone. Like that's the dumbest thing in the world. Then you just end up in a room full of people that are misguided. If you're misguided or don't have any perspective. Yeah. You know, I don't agree with you and a bunch of stuff you believe, but it doesn't mean I hate you. We don't have capacity for uh, forgiveness and uh, growth. Then yeah. What's the point of having any of these conversations? Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with everything, but I eat your tacos. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) we brought tacos. I'm not, you know, Richard, I appreciate you saying that because there's a lot I'm, uh, We'll listen back to this, our conversation, but one in which I think um, sort of transcends what, what Jesus is doing here at Reunion in a large degree, what we're trying to do with our podcast um, and what we wanted to sort of talk to you specifically about, because I see it play out every Sunday and, and on our Bible studies is um, two things. If I hate something more than I love you, then that's a, that's a problem. And if I've got, um, you know, Jesus in common, or if I love you, then that should be, we should be a family more than what, like we, you know, there's, there's prioritization of real issues and real loyalties. But even if we don't have Jesus in common and you believe nothing, I still love you because Jesus didn't die to save me more than he did to save you. So why would I flush you? Likewise. Right. So I'm not, I'm not here to hate anybody. I mean, I hate sin and the consequence of it, what I see it do to families and people. But, you know, and Jesus said, by this wall, men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. It's not the sermons, the music. It's that a person who doesn't believe should walk in a room and go, what the heck? These people don't have anything in common with this God thing. They must be followers of Christ because no one can do this without him. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the, that's one of the main reasons they would want to follow is they see the followers following him. Right? Especially, and that's one of the things that the Lord's led me through the last year specifically is following him and doing it like him. You know, Paul says, any teaching that's, you know, not built on Christ or um, godliness it, or Christ likeness, you know, is conceited in empty mind. I'm thinking first Timothy say, you know what I mean? So that's a big one. So we got to follow Christ like Christ. Okay, I have a little bit of t- twist on that. I know what that means, and I, I am not a fan of WWJD. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's saying, I'm going to be like Chase, so if Chase sits that way, I'm going to sit like Chase sits. Like, I got to copy Chase. I'm going to do my hair fancy. You know. You're going to be really jacked up. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to be like Chase. If there were a way to just say, forget all that, I'm going to let Chase jump in my body and be Chase. Yeah. Right? So being a Christian is letting Christ move in, Holy Spirit moves into a believer, and then you, you make a decision. I'm either going to design myself, you know, deny myself, taking my cross and following him, or I'm not. And if I yield myself to him, I let him be him in me. Yeah. And then he manifests. It's not like I'm a puppet. I'm just getting out of the way and letting him be like, okay, Jesus, what do you want to do today? What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? You know? I want to be more like you. So I'm going to let you be more like you in me and transform my life. And so I'm not copying Jesus in that sense. No, 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 just, I, yeah, I think the best, thank you for saying that. Same thing is when that happens, particularly from your stories, I see you, you're not acting like, you know, God hates you at an abortion clinic mm-hmm. or whatever. It's much, it, it's coming off like, oh yeah, 
geez, that's radical. I didn't expect that. And that's sort of probably what Jesus would have done because he's in you. Yeah. Or his spirit is. Yeah. It's not you acting out of your own individual yeah. uh, ego or uh, individual logic that you, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to get out of the way because when I'm in the way, I speed, I'm impatient, I'm right. mean. I mean, I don't even like me sometimes. I'm like, holy cow, dude. I don't need to take the wheel here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Car. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time to yeah. do this with you. Absolutely. It was always a good conversation. Uh, very, very stimulating. Um, and uh, that was be the last one. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. Enjoy this. All right. Yeah. 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 But principles are eternal. And this has been a contest over a principle. In this contest, brother has been arrayed against brother, father against son. It is for these that we speak. We do not come as aggressors. Our war is not a war of conquest. We are fighting in defense of our homes, our families, and posterity. This has been Cross of Gold. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to thank Sant Invictus for producing our intro and outro songs and uh, look forward to seeing you next time.